Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman joining you on a Thursday morning. It has been a great week back for us. We hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. We are enjoying bringing it to you. Uh, We want to thank you guys for listening. However you're listening to us, making us a part of your day over at supertalk.fm or anywhere uh, you're getting your podcast from. We always thank our listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there, taking care of us. When we don't, when we aren't looking, that's that's the best kind of taking care. That's it's one thing anybody can say. Oh yeah, I'm standing right here. Sure, it's the ones that are they got your back when you don't know about it. That's right. that's, that's the ones that you got the most for. And it's three nil. All right, is that Pulis again? Hold on, I can never say his name. It is Captain America. I would dare say that of our however many thousands Six, of listeners, maybe. maybe five. I was gonna say that that may be over. I was I was gonna say like three. Three, okay. Like, like, but he's American, so there are a lot of people who like the American uh, soccer team. I would dare say that there are many more people concerned about what I'm watching than what you're watching. You watching the Braves? Yes, I am. Are the Braves playing right now? They are. They're defeating the Washington Nationals four to one in the bottom of the eighth with that's two good, outs. That's good news for you. That's that's the double whammy. Yeah, that'd be a six so, and a half. Game we're we're each watching the, the sport we like. So, all right, uh, we'll make our sponsor Strange Brew Coffee House and Turners. I may have. To, so I'm doing the thing that Moorhead does. I don't know if I've told her, but I'm doing this intermittent fasting thing, and I've been okay with it. I've been good. You know, I eat my, my dinner, and that's all I eat. I, eat water. I drink a lot of water during the day, and all good uh, when that happens. But I could go for a big ice cream sundae right about now. <laughs> I could just go for one. Have you cheated at all? No. Like, even just a mm-hmm. smidge? Have not. Have not. Which I've been surprised that, by. That's really impressive. Yeah, I, I, I'm really I'm surprised by myself, to be totally honest. I didn't think I could uh, I could do it. But, you know, we're here. I started on Saturday. Yeah. And uh, starting Saturday, I, did, I, have only, I only eat one meal a day. Yeah, for and, and, so, and do you, I've only gained six pounds. So how this works kidding. for both Joe and for Brian is yeah. you have like a six-hour period, right? A six-hour window right. during the twenty-four hours of the day, right? In which you can eat, right? And, and what he and, said was most people to choose twelve to six, yeah, so they can eat twice. He and I are going six to twelve. I go six p.m. to midnight, which I don't, which is not really even that. Is he, I talk, is he doing six to twelve? Yeah, is that his? It, it's not like I'm. Uh, you know, packing down the midnight snacks or anything. You know, I just eat my dinner and then I call it a day. I was going to ask, like, in that 6 to 12, do you only eat dinner? Like, is there any, like, a bag of chips or something in I there? I haven't just done to, that. Like, I haven't done that. Like a tor- I've had a kind bar in there. Okay. Yeah. I, I, was, I would feel like I would almost have to throw some kind of snack in there closer to 12 just to make sure to, that I'm, I'm going to I mean, I'm usually next. asleep by 12. I mean, so in reality, we're talking about, like, a... I usually go to bed like ten thirty, eleven. Yeah. So we're talking about you know I got five hours. I eat a big dinner, and I'm, that's pretty much it. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do. Wanted to do something a little radical, a little different. And it's working out so far. All right. Another opponent heavy show today. We're talking about Auburn, which is a, obviously a team Joel and I have a lot more familiarity with. So I feel like the show will be a little bit better. And then we got an interview with a guy who knows more about Auburn than just about anybody, and that's Brandon Marcello. That'll happen a little later, uh, but. The bottom line with this game is this, and it always has been, for the since basically since Dan Mullen got here, uh, the winner of this game is going to win eight or nine games. The loser of this game is going to have to struggle to get to six. It's always been that way, and I don't see any difference this year. Do you? No, it's. I'm sitting here. We kind of said the same thing the other day about the Tennessee game too, though. So. Uh, Gosh, this is such a critical part of that MSU schedule, though. These two games, the Auburn-Tennessee game, you have to split it. 
like a, a state, when you have to win one of those games. And you feel like if you beat Auburn, you're going to beat Tennessee. Uh, that's just the nature of the beast. But we'll we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I don't know what it is with this state Auburn thing. But like you said, it almost like it dictates the kind of year the team has. Yeah, this is gonna be an interesting show because the MLB trade deadline's going on. So I got to ask a question. Uh, uh, the Giants have traded a pitcher. They traded Drew Pomerantz to the Brewers. Is Mauricio Dubon any good? Uh, sounds like some minor leaguer that I don't know. I need to look him up, I guess. But uh, he's but Drew Pomerantz is headed to uh, Milwaukee along with Ray Black. And they found, Old Takes Exposed found some poor, somebody tweeted Brewers and San Francisco agreement, and so uh, to tell the Athletic, and this guy was going to San Fran, and this, this Brewers fan's like, oh my God, we got bad bum, we got bad bum. No, you didn't. You didn't. So. <laughs> that does seem to me to indicate, though, that the Giants are completely willing to sell. So we'll see here. Well, Pomerantz had been moved to the, uh, the bullpen. The so let's see here. Yeah, he has only played in the, uh, the minors. From what I can tell here, this is gonna be a fun show because we're gonna do some of this extra stuff here. You guys, you guys will be okay. Yeah, uh, I hope you like MLB trade deadline stuff. So, hey, yeah. and you're gonna have to if it pops up, you're gonna have to tell me because I'm not on Twitter over here. I've just got the Braves Hitting going. A, a career 300 hitter, uh, slugging 423 as a shortstop. I don't have a problem with that. Power, not a lot of How power. Old is he? 25. No, I don't it's know. Kind of old for a prospect. Yeah, I don't know. And the short, the short's not really an issue for the Giants. I don't know. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll see where it goes. All right. <laughs> With Auburn for me this year, anybody who's listened to the pod this year or anybody who's listened to Sports Talk, you guys know, not sold on Auburn. Not one bit. Um, when you look at what they've done over the past few seasons, they're basically the same team year in and year out. You know, they start off sort of hot sometimes. Sometimes They either start hot and finish poorly or they start cold and then heat up at the end. It's, it's just one or the other. And the comment I made on, on Sports Talk and I made in the interview with Brandon is they're sort of like Mississippi State a year ago, except they don't have an experienced quarterback. They have, they're going to they're put a freshman out there, either a redshirt guy who didn't throw but I think three passes last year or a, uh, a true freshman in Bo Nix. When you look at Auburn, since they went to the national title game, they were 12-2, and 8-5, and 7-6, 8-5, and 10-4, 8-5. They've lost at least four games every year. Under Malzahn. And when you look at their schedule for this year, when they have Oregon and they have Florida as one of their East teams, and they always have Georgia and they always have Alabama, find me nine wins. Find me nine wins with, and they go to Texas A&M. I mean, and LSU, they go to LSU. Find me nine wins. Find me seven wins with this schedule, especially if the quarterback play isn't any good. You read off those records, you know who Auburn is? Who? They're Mississippi State. Yes. The only difference is now, that their the, fans the, don't the, want to hear that. The, the only difference is the decal on the side of the helmet. They have. I mean, it, there was that that uh, graphic going around a little while ago. Uh, both state and in, in the last since A and M has joined the conference, both of them are five hundred in the SEC. They think they're Alabama, but their record says they're Mississippi State. Exactly. Exactly. They they've had basically the same run as Mississippi State, but they've <laughs> recruited at a much higher. They 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 underperform relative to their, to their recruiting ranking. As bad as anybody in the country. They're a consistent top 10 recruiter. They are not a consistent top 10 team. Yep. Um, we'll see what happens with this year's team. I don't like them just off the top of the bat because I don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Uh, I like Whitlow as a running back, but you know Auburn's always had good running backs. Uh, I don't know that they have elite playmakers out there on the perimeter 
that, that can make big plays in the passing game. The thing is, for an Auburn offense to work, they have to have a Nick Marshall-like guy. Right. They just do. That's how Gus's offense seems to click. they got to have a, a, a dual-threat guy. They have that in Bo Nix, who you know was the nation's number one dual-threat quarterback coming out of high school. So he, he can run the football. I don't know about Gatewood as much. They like to make a lot of Cam Newton comparisons with him because he's a big, physical guy, and you know he can get going downhill. So they, I think they have those guys. They have running quarterbacks. They have the true dual-threat guy who gives you that extra option, but we haven't seen them play. And, I mean, they start, the problem with Auburn for me is this. I think they're going to lose that first game, and that just sets a sour tone, right? It, it's it's you got this excitement, but at the same time, there there is this in the back of your head, you know, is this gonna is Gus gonna ever get it going? And then you're zero and one. But you got Gus, and he's gonna call the plays now. And... That's not bad. That was not a bad Malzahn. <laughs> you sounded enough like him like that that I could probably call Waffle House right now and get us something to go. <laughs> oh, that man. wasn't bad. I, I do wonder if you know him taking ownership of this offense again. Like he did in the bowl game. You know, he took ownership of the offense in the bowl game, just drill Purdue. Now, granted, it's Purdue. You think of them what you want. But uh, I do feel like this offense seems to to go better when whenever Gus is running the show and, yeah. and if Bo Nix or, or whoever steps in there and is, you know, Nick Marshall-esque. I mean, you could draw up a scenario to where they're pretty good. Right. But there's a lot of what ifs to that. There is. There's a lot of what ifs to Auburn just being but, but, good. But what? But team even this, and with their schedule, how good can they be? They're they're playing at least at least four teams that are better than them. I was gonna, and A and M, five maybe five. A and M, Florida, LSU, Alabama, Georgia are all better than Auburn. You're, you're confident A and M's better than Auburn? Yeah, and that, and it's on the road. Yeah, I mean it, it's gonna be tough sledding for sure, but. I mean, you mentioned those what ifs. Every team except for Alabama's got a what if. And Georgia. And I Georgia. think Georgia doesn't Georgia have what ifs. But yeah, I mean, are you absolutely, completely floored, though, if Auburn is what we finished this season? Auburn's nine and three, 10 and two. Or, I would be surprised or, at 10 and two. Nine and three, I wouldn't be totally surprised. I guess I would be surprised because I've been so. Uh, adamant that they're going to be bad but i mean this is a seven and five team at best that's the ceiling for this team and if that's the case gus is out he's out no question about that so so they're they're playing with a lot of what ifs they're playing with a lot of pressure and you're going to put all that onto a freshman quarterback this is a recipe for this is either a recipe for a dream miracle season or it's a recipe for total disaster and with Auburn, it usually leans toward disaster yeah. and, and chaos. That just seems to be the, the MO over there. Let's let's try to be positive about Auburn. Let's talk about what they do have. They have a great running back in Booby Whitlow. Now, you know, not a 1,000-yard rusher a year ago, but that's because I, they just struggled getting him the football last year. They just struggled offensively last year, period. Um, but I think he can he can handle the mantle of the next Auburn tailback to that. So they've got that. They've got some decent playmakers on offense. And then on the offensive line, as Brandon Marcello is going to tell us very shortly, five senior starters. So Yeah, you know, last year we were talking about Auburn and talking about how they had guys that 
hadn't really started and and of course they came to state and state was their first road game mm-hmm. of the year yeah. and we were like that that may play into it the fact you got a bunch of new guys yeah be their first sec road game kind of did well this year they have that experience and yeah so it, that that's something to hang your hat on there is that that offensive line that last year you were kind of iffy about because of the lack of experience well they got it now yeah so that, you're right i mean that couple that with booby whitlow and things and if they can get the quarterback situation where they want it and yeah. it's a guy that Gus trusts, you could, like I said a while ago, you can make a case to where they figure this thing out. And if they figure it out, I mean, like I said, they, they have an opportunity to win some games. You know, I don't, I just don't. The SEC this year, if you're, if you're, A&M and Auburn have the same problem. They're playing Alabama and Georgia. I mean, that's two losses. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, yeah, 10 and 2 is your ceiling. A&M has it worse because they also play Clemson. They both these teams play LSU, who I don't think is you know, I think is better than both of those teams. So I mean, they're just sort of they're just sort of out of luck, you know. They're just sort of not really sure where where they're going, and that's that's a problem for Auburn for a coach, you know, in his what is this his seventh or eighth year at, at Auburn? You know, for A and M, Jimbo Fisher's in his second year. You know, you, you don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. Uh, with Auburn, it's it's a huge issue. And I think it's just going to, you know, be that issue throughout the season. I just, like I said, I just don't know. I just don't know with them. And <laughs> and and to see them preseason top fifteen, I'm just it drives me insane. It's like, who's voting this? Who's who looks at Auburn's team and Auburn's schedule and says, yeah, because top fifteen, you're talking that's a nine win team. No, it's not. There's no way. It's just unless we're unless Bo Nix is something we don't know about, unless he is just going to come in and be a and honestly be a Tua kind of player, I kind of who not only that who who has to he has to carry the offense a little bit because they don't have the same talent on the perimeter and on the backfield and on the offensive line that Alabama does. So he's got to be a. I mean, I know he was the number one dual threat quarterback, but all of those aren't created equal. All right, some years that he's just the best of what there is, you know. And then you have some years where you've got Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. So, unless he is just an a, a transcendent player, which he may very well be, don't know. But unless he is, he is not. This team is not going to be a contender in the SEC this year. They could win maybe eight games, but they're not. The idea that they would, you know. Challenge Alabama and even LSU is is not going to happen. I voted them uh, fifth in, in the West uh, behind I had I went Alabama, LSU, A and M State. I did too, uh, and I just I just don't see it. So. I I don't know, man. Why did we talked about this the other day? And maybe State is starting to get kind of the benefit of the doubt a little bit yeah. nationally. But why do some teams just get that benefit of the doubt? And they seem to get it every year, despite the fact that you know how State seemingly always you already hit on it. State seemingly always overperforms their their projections and, and whatnot, and Auburn almost always it's, underperforms. It's two reasons. One, it's the decal on the helmet. But two, the two years that people were predicting Auburn to be down, they they played for national titles and won one. Yeah. 2010, nobody was predicting Auburn. As, they weren't even ranked in the top 25 to start the year. Uh, same with 2013. Nobody thought, because they were coming off, you know, Chiswick's last year, and they were terrible. Nobody saw them play, winning the SEC. And so... I think people just don't want to be caught by, off guard by Auburn again yeah. for whatever reason. All right, let's go over to our interview. Talk to Brandon Marcello. He covers uh, Auburn for our 24-7 sports, Auburn Undercover, another uh, name that makes sense. 
and have got his thoughts on the Auburn Tigers and, and this upcoming season, and of course the game uh, between the Tigers and Mississippi. Back-to-back opponent previews as we're catching up this week after a, a week off. We're talking about Auburn today, and when I talk about Auburn, I always talk to my friend Brandon Marcello over there at Auburn Undercover, the 24-7 site for the Tigers, another 24-7 site where the name makes sense. Brandon, if anybody who's listened... Oh, hold on, hold on. Before we get into this, before we get into Auburn, I told you, have a hot DC Universe take ready. Give it to me. I will never be satisfied with any Batman movie. That's That's more or less just a hot take for myself. You weren't satisfied with The Dark Knight? No, I was satisfied with it, but it wasn't a Batman movie. It was was a movie more about the Joker. I, I, I want a okay. Batman movie. I, I see where you're coming from on that. All right. Are you going to go see the Joker movie when it comes out? Yeah, I just be, I'll just treat it like it's an Elseworlds type thing. Okay. But, you know, it's apparently getting some good uh, feedback on it. Well, um, Joaquin Phoenix is terrific, so you've got to figure he's going to be good in this. But Yeah, I don't think I've seen a movie yet where I was like, man, he, he's not a good actor. Yeah, but, yeah, um, exactly. I mean, they're putting it in the Venice Film Festival, and Oof. those uh, festival directors have said it's a great movie. So we'll, right. we'll see. I, I don't know. I mean, it's to me, it's not going to be a comic book movie. It's just going to be a yeah, I agree Joaquin with that. Phoenix movie where he's wearing makeup. I agree. I agree with that. All right. Anybody who's listened to this podcast, anybody who's listened to me on Sports Talk Mississippi, they know that I'm just not big on Auburn this year. I see them being ranked in the top 10, top 15, and and I just don't see it for whatever reason. And honestly, they remind me a lot of Mississippi State last season, except they don't have an experienced quarterback. It's going to be Joey Gatewood. Maybe it's going to be Bo Nix. Sell me on these two quarterbacks and explain to me why I'm wrong about Auburn, if if you think that I am. That's an interesting take. It's a good comparison, I think, because both teams, you know, compared to Mississippi State last year and Auburn this year, had – Great defensive lines returning, uh, offensive lines returning, um, and yet, but the difference for Auburn is that they, they don't know who their quarterback's going to be. That's a, that is an interesting comparison. Um, you know, I, I'm still still trying to see if anybody can sell me on Auburn. I, I'm waffling. I, I this season go one of two ways. I mean, that's, I know it's still a cop out. Like, it could be a good season or it could be a bad season. It's just. The schedule's so tough, and then when you have the unknowns at the quarterback spot between Joey Gatewood and Bo Nix, two freshmen, one of which is a redshirt freshman, being Joey Gatewood, um, it's just difficult for me to sit here and go, hey, that's a team that could potentially win if all they get the breaks uh, 10 games. I, I, You know, it's just difficult to say that, especially against the schedule. I mean, for Auburn, it's probably their most difficult schedule since 1983, and I know that that means much to your viewers or list, list viewers, listeners. Um, but it's just—I mean, they have—they have four games away from Junior Stadium against teams that might be in the top ten or top fifteen, and then they have two games at home against top five programs in Alabama and Georgia. Um, Find me eight wins in there. I mean, for any team, really, other than the elite top five teams, it, it's difficult. So, yeah, I mean, you, you want me to sell you on Auburn being very good this year? I'm still trying to sell myself on it because, you know, I'm leaning more toward them, loop, you know, winning less than eight games um, than winning more than eight games, if, if that makes sense. It's just entirely different situation with their schedule and until one of those quarterbacks goes out there and proves that 
they're elite. Uh, I, I just don't know how they win 10 games or anything close to that. One thing that I, I, through the years with Auburn, when they've been really good, they've had great running backs. You know, last year they didn't have a 1,000-yard rusher. Booby Whitlow is a back that I like. I think he's a good back. He's talented. Can he take a big jump this year and be that, that elite running back that Malzahn's offense seems to need? Yeah, I think I think so. That's the one area where like there's an unproven guy or something that I think there's going to be a lot of improvement from because you know Mississippi State fans might remember last year. You know he had that broke that long run and then fumbled the ball right before the goal line against State, and that was just a tiny example of many things he did incorrectly last season because that was his first year ever in his entire life playing running back. This is a guy who played quarterback in high school, played cornerback, came to Auburn as a receiver, and then moved to running back last season, and then all of a sudden was the starter um, because he was just the most talented guy they had. And he's kind of come into a situation this past spring and the off season under the new running backs coach, Cadillac Williams, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, and I've talked to Cadillac a little bit about Booby. Whitlow, and he's just like, this guy is so talented. I think he could be one of the better guys in the entire country just because of his talent. But here's so many things of this technique that I've had to refine, um, whether it's just being simply being patient and waiting for blocks. He says he watched film last season after he was hired here, and he said Whitlow left so many yards on the field because he just wasn't patient or he made the wrong cut or he did this wrong or that. Things that a running back with a couple of years of experience, just even in high school, would better understand. This is a guy that just didn't understand it because, one, he was played quarterback in high school, and while he was a dual-threat guy, he played at a small, single-A school uh, at Lafayette, not Lafayette, like in Mississippi, which I always, I always got that incorrect when I was in Mississippi. I always said Lafayette, and everybody's like, no, it's Lafayette. Um, They'll get but, over uh, it. I know. But, um, but, but listen, this guy, I think, can make a big jump. I've had people inside that program tell me that, that he's a guy they expect to hit 1,300 yards this season, which sounds like a lot, but, I mean, Auburn's had some 1,600-yard rushers in the Malzahn era, and, they expect to get back over that 1,000-yard hump, and they expect Whitlow to be that uh, you know that top-tier running back for them. The Auburn offensive line, when I watch Auburn, they are either really, really good or they are a true liability. There doesn't yeah. seem to be any middle ground with Auburn on the offensive line. What is their offensive line this year? Uh, they got five senior starters, and they feel really, really good about them. Um, you know, last year, it's the same group from last year, though – they struggled in the first half of last season. A lot of them were newer, even though they were upperclassmen. Um, they were backups most of, the, most of the time, you know, heading into last season. And it took us some time to gel. Um, and they didn't really gel until they figured out the center position. They kept flip-flopping guys there, one, because of injury, two, just because they're testing things out. They finally settled on the center. And when they did that during the last five games of the year, uh, they played much better. I think their average, just for example, one small example, their average yards per rush increased by a yard, which you know, doesn't sound like a lot, but that is a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, when you when you on every on every run, I mean that's three yards on every down. Um, if you're running the ball as much as Auburn does, so I, I think that this is going to be a pretty good offensive line for them. 
The issue for them is they have, like, zero depth, Brian. Um, they've got five starters. They don't quite know who their sixth lineman is at any position. I mean, they know who they'll probably put out there, but they don't know who's the best guy and whether they're going to be ready. Um, they have an upperclassman that tackle Bailey Sharp, who's a backup, but he's never played really all that much throughout his entire career just because he hasn't been up to expectations. Um, Broderius Ham um, is a huge guy, and I keep being told that like he's the best lineman overall, starter or not, in practices, but he hadn't played any games really, and that's because he, he, had, a, he had a battle cancer um, when he signed with Auburn, and he had to step away from football for two years, and then he had to get his body back in shape and you know back back to being a college lineman. So, they're, they're, you know, they're trying to get him ready, and he's been ready for about the last year and a half. But I think that he will probably be their sixth best lineman. But what I guess what I'm trying to get at is if they have two injuries or even maybe one injury on that offensive line, they could be in a heap of trouble, and they could certainly revert back uh, to being a line where you're going, wow, they can't protect the quarterback, they can't you know, open up any running lanes. So if they stay healthy, I think it could be one of the top three offensive lines in the SEC when I look at everybody. Um, but if they suffer an injury or two, they could be in the bottom half of the league. Yeah. So I made that Mississippi State comparison. Obviously, MSU had the top defense in the country last year, both total defense and scoring defense. Is Auburn going to be that way this year? Is this the nation's best defense? <laughs> Uh, you know, I don't know about that. I mean, that's difficult to 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 you know to do, um, particularly in the SEC. And and as I said, against the schedule, I, I think they could be top ten. Um, you know, they've been near that top ten area for most of the Kevin Steele era, anyway. Um, I my big question with the defense this year is the defensive tackle spot next to to uh, Derek Brown, who everybody expects to be a first round guy next se- uh, next year. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't know who the starter is going to be there. Um, they might just have to do a rotation. They might move their buck pass rusher, Nick Coe, inside, which yeah, I don't know if that's a good thing to do, but I'm not a coach. Um, that That's the area that concerns me. Like, Is that going to affect them uh, more than maybe than we necessarily believe at first glance? I think their secondary is going to be very good. I think it's going to be better than it was last year. They've got a lot of experience returning. Um, and they have to replace all their starting linebackers. And I know it, you might go, man, that's a big loss, but the guys coming in are, are more talented um, than the guys they had last year. They were experienced last year. These guys coming up are talented and they're experienced because they've been backups for two years. And, these are five- and four-star guys, whereas the others were like three-star and four-star guys. Um, and they expect them to be just as good as they were last year, at linebacker, if not better, by the end of the season. So I think it could be a top-ten defense. And and if that happens, they're going to have a chance in practically every game this season. Um, but my big question mark with this entire team is, is just offense and particularly the quarterback position. they got to have a game-changer. I think to, to to win some big games this year. Well, you and I seem to be on the sort of the same page with Auburn, and, and you know, you look at their schedule. In the first four games, they have the game with Oregon, and then they go to Texas A and M, and then they play Mississippi State in the fifth game of the year. If Auburn's two and two, 
when they play Mississippi State. And you know that this game traditionally, the winner goes on to win eight or nine yep. games. The loser, they're gonna they're gonna push for six. What happens if if Auburn loses this game to Mississippi State and they're two and three? Is that the end of Malzahn? You know, it's it's difficult for me to say because in the past, Auburn has not since Bowden have they fired a coach or made a change in the middle of the year. Um, they always wait till the end of the season. Um, but I'll say this: if they're two and three at, with a loss to Mississippi State at that point. I think the writing's on the wall, and his tenure's probably over. Um, and maybe they would make a change in the middle of the year. Things have changed at Auburn uh, over the last few years. New athletics director. Um, they've got some turmoil in the president's office, so maybe it would change things where maybe they would make a change in the middle of the year, and maybe you make a Kevin Steele, you know, head coach in the interim. But yeah. Um, the thing is with this schedule, it's like it, there's so many games are so important, and if you lose some games early, well, he might he might be in a situation where he's coaching for his job against Mississippi State, um, and then he wins that game. Let's say he's three and two, yeah. But then he's coaching against his job against LSU at LSU, mm-hmm. where Auburn has not won since 1999. Yeah, the cigar I mean, game, right? It, yeah, the cigar, cigar game. So, I mean, this schedule is just brutal for him. It's brutal for Auburn. And uh, I, I think this is going to be one of those years where if they do not win their opener, or let's say they win their opener, and but then lose that Texas A&M, it's going to be one of those things where every week it's going to be a hot seat game. Yeah. And uh, it's. I, I wonder how that will wear on a team and wear on the coaches. And, and you think all. about you think about, you know, the last time Malzahn was sort of in that position, having to win a game to keep his job, he won it and beat LSU. And, of course, Les Miles was fired, you know, as a result. Of yeah, that, so. I mean, that that was that was pretty much the win, winner-go-home game. Yeah. And, uh, Loser leaves and Auburn almost match, lost yeah. that. And Auburn almost lost that game. They they overturned a touchdown by LSU yeah, in the final yeah. second. They realized the play clock or the uh, play clock had gone down uh, to zero before the snap um and then Les Miles was fired the next day yeah and that was the season Auburn almost lost at home and should have lost to be honest to Jacksonville State at FCS yeah. team they, they needed overtime they needed to come back against them to win that game and um yeah um and that was in that season they, they, the reason why they weren't good is because the quarterback spot they thought they were going to be in great hands with Jeremy Johnson Mm-hmm. And he was a total bust, and so I don't think they have a quarterback like that this year. But when you have uncertainty at quarterback, uh, everything—I mean, everything's on the table. Yeah. All right. We'll see what happens when Mississippi State makes the trip to the Plains to play Auburn. Like we said, it's always—it's always a swing game uh, for both teams, and State has two of them in a row because after they play Auburn, they go to Tennessee. That's going to decide the season for the Bulldogs. We'll see what it does for the Tigers. Brandon, always a pleasure, man. Thanks for joining me today. All right. See you, Brian. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks to Brandon. We appreciate him uh, joining us. Always good information from him. Uh, you look at this game a year ago. This was, this was State's biggest running game of the year. Nearly 400 yards on the ground against Auburn. So to me, this is the first game where State might miss Nick Fitzgerald because he gave you that extra guy in the box and he was able, able to do a lot. And this was a game where they really let Kylan Hill carry the football now maybe you know and it was a unique game for state they had that pre-snap motion they ran a lot of stuff they never really came back to and i 
That, to me, is one of the things. I've always been a, a guy with football. What, what, what do the Braves do over there? Joel, it's, just, it's, Joel just threw the pin. What do they do? It's the bottom of the ninth. The Braves are up two. And, uh, Nat, walks Nat, no, Nat's got a leadoff single. And now ground ball to short. It was a tough play, but it kind of gets booted a little bit. And so it's first and second, nobody out. Oof. All right. Uh, I just saw I just saw you throw the pin. I was like, <laughs> something happened. We're going to talk about it. Um, one of the things I always think with football coaches is they overthink things so many so much. And, you know, for me, if a play works, I'm going to run that until somebody stops it. And with that pre-stat motion, you remember, this is coming off the Florida-Kentucky game where you – Florida and Kentucky games where you had been so – poor offensively. And then it looked like Moorhead had developed a new wrinkle and it put this this in and it worked really, really well. And then you never saw it again. You never saw them go back to it hardly all season. Especially, I remember I remember the next week against LSU, like, where is all this? That, that was so successful a week ago. Where is it? It's, it's gone. So, for me, you know, obviously, you know, same defensive coordinator at Auburn, Kevin Steele, same offensive guys here, obviously. Do you try to go back to that, and can Tommy Stevens provide you the uh, the kind of, what's the word I'm looking for, you know, the same threat that Nick Fitzgerald did as far as the ground? So this is where a game where Tommy Stevens on the ground might be a big issue. Yeah, yeah, it could very well be. I'll be interested to see if State kind of goes back to some of that stuff just because – I mean, you basically now have a full game's worth of film <laughs> on what State did to you last year. Yeah, uh, I, I can't imagine that Auburn won't go into this year's game ready for that. Right. Uh, so, so I would be shocked if you could just continually, over the course of what would then be eight quarters, do the same thing mm. without them being able to stop it. That said, they couldn't stop it last year. Yeah. So I'm going to run it till they prove they do. State ran the ball 57 times in this game against, you, against 17 passes. You best believe that until they prove to me they're going to stop me, mm-hmm. I'm going to keep doing what worked. Fitzgerald carried the ball 28 times for 195 yards. Shoot, yeah, man. So my question, That's, I guess, is what happens? How does this get divvied up? Because Stevens isn't going to carry the ball 28 times, no. I don't think. So we put another, let's say he gets 15 carries, right? i got to split up 13 more carries. I don't think Kylan Hill is going to carry the ball 36 times. He had 23 carries for 126. So if we give Kylan Hill eight more or seven more carries, let's give him to 30 carries. You know, who's getting those other? What, what, what do we need? Uh, five more carries. I, I mean, is that Nick Gibson? Well, Harris, feel, William, you, Harris Williams only carried the ball five times in this game. Could he? Could Nick Gibson get get ten? Well, you feel like it'd be more likely that you run the ball slightly less and you throw the ball slightly more possible because of you know the Tommy Stevens effect and you feel like Joe's going to want to throw the ball a little more this year if, if he has a guy that can, can throw do the it, ball yeah. a little better so instead of trying to figure out where those carries go to you probably aren't divvying up those carries it's probably not running plays yeah this was also a game that MSU's defense was really dominant the Auburn rushing game only 21 carries for 90 yards 19 of 38 for Stidham no touchdowns, no picks, but he only threw for 214 yards. So, I mean, yards per attempt there is is not good. Uh, State was just – I mean, Montez Sweat had a big game in this. So, And that's, that's the other thing. Freshman quarterback who at this point in the season, in my opinion, is going to be 2-2. Two and two. The pressure's on outside the game. This is a game where if you can rattle him early, yeah. uh, you, you're going to have you, – this, this is a game that if it goes State's way early, could get out of hand. 
which it's tough to I know it's you know we're playing talking about an SEC road game. The last time the state played there, they lost what forty one to seven. Something it was like that. not pretty. It was not pretty. But just just on the outside looking in, state has an opportunity here. I think to, to have a big win. The the problem is the other side of this. If Auburn is pretty good, or even if they're not pretty good, they just win this game. Then you know you get you go into the bye week off of a loss. Your next game is at Tennessee. You're looking at a tough tough road ahead. State should be four and zero coming into this game. Can they be five and zero coming out? They can be. It, it's still tough to, despite all the stuff we've talked about to this point. It, it's really hard for me to just feel like you can chalk up a game in Auburn as a W for State. That's just I I, I know that State won there with Dak, um, but it just seems like a place that. For State, it's kind of the Murphy's Law thing. Something that can go wrong is going to go wrong when you're at Auburn. It kind of feels that way a little bit for me. So it's tough for me to just say that it's going to happen. That said, I feel like State is the better team here. Yeah. So I don't know. This I'll, kind of, I'm going to kind of go with the Brian Haydad philosophy. My opinion is is able to change between now and when the, the, the week this game is played. But sitting here today, I feel a lot better about State's chances to win this game. <laughs> yeah, as we sit here, I mean, sit here right sit now, I, I'm telling you, I think State's going to win this uh, game. You know, we'll see if, what happens. If, so. if we get through weeks one through three and Auburn looks pretty good and then State's going on the road, you know, maybe my opinion changes here. But right now, I, I really like State in this game. And I, and I liked them last year at home, too. You know, I was banging that drum in State, State one. Not that anybody cares about my opinion. And Lord knows I'm not the smartest football brain, but I called the Auburn game right last year. So That's let's, true. let's That's see true. if we get All two right. in a row. We'll see what happens. Always, like we said at the beginning, always a tough game. Always a game that swings both teams, in my opinion. And I don't think this year is going to be any different uh, on that count. All right. Back tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, we, we're not catching up on anything. We can just talk about whatever. So we'll figure that out. Also, I want to go ahead and, and uh, unveil something. I didn't tell Joel we're going to unveil this. Although you and I have discussed it. Oh, okay. But a lot of you have asked, and we are going to do it. What'd they do? Uh, it's just getting worse and worse over. Bases loaded, no outs. <laughs> he just rolled his eyes. Bases loaded, no outs, and, and we can't throw a darn strike. I'll trade you Bumgarner right now for Acuna and Albies. Well, Bumgarner wouldn't help in the bottom of the ninth. With I beg to differ. I have a World Series championship game that, that tells well, you different. I, I don't think in the regular season that we'd be putting Bumgarner into class. I'm just saying, for right now, you can have him. Uh, oh, God. We got Chad Sabodka warming up. Maybe yeah, like I don't even know who that is. Sixth reliever. So, uh, people have asked, and we're going to do it. We're going to bring a mailbag segment back starting next week. That'll be on our Wednesday podcast. Now, some some changes from the old ways. All right, and all of you know what I'm talking about with ABC. A, you can text either Joel text. You can tweet either Joel or I. We don't care. You know, just put put. We'll come. We might come up with a hashtag, but for the most part, on Tuesday, you're going to want to send us the questions for Wednesday. Um, that said, we're not we're not going to answer every question. And I'm certainly not going to answer the same questions. Oh, it's just getting so bad for Joel. It's just painful to watch. I mean, I need to wrap this up. Uh, we're not going to answer the same questions that we've been getting for like the, the past six years that Bob and I got. I'm not going to answer if the MSU beat was in the Royal Rumble, who would win? Or make all the coaches in the SEC the cast of Game of Thrones. Those kind of things. are. We, we need you to be a little more creative, a little more, uh, a little more exciting, a little more something, all right? Come up with some good questions, something original. 
Obviously, we want to focus on MSU sports, but if you've got pop culture questions, we will answer them. And it's going to be a joint effort. Joel and I will both answer. So if you got Braves questions, obviously Joel's the guy for that. If you got what's something that I like? That you, soccer. If you like got soccer questions, I don't know who would. But if you do, I'll answer those. And it'll be a team effort on that. So starting next week on Tuesday, the uh, Thunder and Lightning mailbag. We might come up with a catchy name for it. I haven't thought about it yet. The Thunder Bag. I hate to leave you out, though. So I don't know. Joel's just in misery. Let's just end the show. He's dying over there. So back with you guys tomorrow. Have a great Thursday. Joel's not going to. For the Joel T. Coleman. <laughs> this is Friday, Dad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning. Oh, he's taking off the headset on Super Talk, Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.